Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Our eight-week study this season is titled, But God. Each of us has a story with many various elements. The one element that outshines them all is the entrance of Jesus Christ into our story. Here's Jacqueline. Ephesians 2. The entire book of Ephesians is a great study, especially with what we're going to talk about today. So if you want a personal challenge before we even start our time in Scripture, um, refer back to Ephesians and see what Scripture can connect from today's a study to Ephesians, all of Ephesians. I want to look specifically at Ephesians 2. I want to start with verse 17 and read just a couple of verses. Ephesians 2, 17. It says, And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers. So then you are no longer aliens, but you, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Listen to what you are. You are saints and you are members of the household of God. You are built on the foundation of the apostles. You are built on the foundation of the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for building us together as one. We thank you so much for the cornerstone. Above all else, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, I don't know what we would be doing, what our life would look like without Jesus. I don't know what our story would feel like without Jesus. I can't even comprehend. I thank you so much for our Jesus. I thank you so much for his love and his faithfulness to come and to take on the story of the flesh. I thank you so much that he took it on, that he can connect with us and say to us fully that he understands. I thank you for his death. I thank you above all else for a risen Savior. Jesus, thank you for living. Thank you for living again. And I thank you for giving us the gift of eternal life. Father God, I pray that you'll be with us today. I pray that you'll be with us as we open scripture. I lay my scriptures before you this morning. May it be Ephesians 2 or 2 Timothy 2 or whatever scripture you bring to mind during this study. I pray that your word and your words alone are the only thing that is shared and spoken today. Lord, you know my heart is ready to go celebrate summer, and I just pray that you'll silence, <clears throat> silence that part of me. Put that in a back corner so that your scripture will just take center stage this morning. I pray that you'll be with the prayer requests that are presented today. Hold them dear as you always do. Grow our faith during our time of prayer. Grow us in the season of living. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Ephesians 2. Don't you love those promises of who we are. We are fellow citizens with the saints, and we are fellow citizens with the members of the household of God, together built up on the apostles, built up on the prophets. We are living today on everything the apostles lived for. That's amazing. We are living today on everything that the prophets proclaimed that we would be living today. 
That blows me away. We have book after book, prophet after prophet, proclaiming Jesus is going to be coming. Jesus is going to be doing everything that Jesus did, and Jesus is going to rise again. And then there's going to be a society of people that walk in the newness of Jesus Christ. This is what prophets proclaimed. We are living prophecy. Consider that fact. We are living in the light and the newness of the resurrected Savior. Does that make you want to hold your head up a little bit? See things a little bit differently? We've been talking now for seven weeks about adjusting our lens, seeing our story new in the lens of but God. No longer the emotions, no longer the weight, no longer the pain, no longer the depth, but the lens of but God so that we can hold loosely the story of our life and live fervently the story of God. We're new. Every day we're new. And this is why we're new. Because we are fellow citizens with the saints. We are members of the household of God. We are built on the foundation of the apostles. We are built on the foundation of the prophets. We are built upon the foundation in which the cornerstone is Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. We are new. We are alive. That is who we are. And we are together new and together alive, which means me, Jacqueline, child of God, saved, believing on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, standing side by side with another human who proclaims the same thing. Side by side with another human who proclaims the same thing. This room is filled with women that are proclaiming side by side, I am, and we have our names, and we proclaim, we believe in the resurrection of God's eternal Son, Jesus Christ. Is that not our proclamation? Above everything else, that is our proclamation. And in that proclamation, we stand together, and we stand together on a rock, the foundation on which we stand. And we live our life on that rock. And my prayer for the person who is a visual learner, that you'll see visually that rock beneath your feet. We've been talking a lot about our stories, and I have a feeling there's been a lot of emotions that have passed through us, whether they're past emotions or present emotions. A lot has been going through over the last couple of weeks. My prayer is that in the midst of those emotions, in the midst of that life that you're living right now, that you'll visualize that rock underneath your feet. Do you see that rock? Do you see the size of that rock? Do you see the person next to you on that rock, who's on that rock with you? Can you feel the arms of that person around you? Do you see that rock under your feet, not just when you're standing tall and strong? Isn't that amazing? Sometimes we think about that firm foundation, we think about that rock and we picture ourselves as that warrior from Ephesians 6. Like it's a statuette to put onto our shelf of, yes, I received Christ as my Savior. I am on that rock. Look at my statue there of me standing tall and proud on my rock. Do you have that vision as if it's something that you can 
visualize that you can hold, that you can say, and you can hold up and be like, this is me on the rock. And then we put it on the shelf and admire it. But the fact of the matter is you right now, today, your life as it is, where it is, is on that rock there. What does your posture look like on that rock? Be real about that. Are there ever times in your life that you sit? And not because, you know, you're watching TV, but because you're emotionally needing just a, just a minute. I just, just need a minute. Do you know you're still on that rock? Exactly the same as when you're on that rock in your tall, proud warrior pose, you're on that same exact rock with the same exact people around you in a sitting position. You're still on that rock. That foundation does not change. Your salvation with Jesus Christ does not change. You are on the rock, the firm foundation on which you stand. Have you ever been curled up in a ball that you can't even move? Do you know at that moment you're still on the rock? The foundation has not changed. The blood of Jesus Christ has not been washed away. The resurrection of our Savior has not changed. That rock is always, every day, every hour, every minute, underneath your feet. Always. As you move forward, that rock is underneath your feet. Can we do this as a personal challenge this week? Every day, all day, right now, as I am where I am on this Tuesday at three in the afternoon, the rock is under my feet. What does my life look like? Get real about it. One thing we say often and all the time in Women Inseparable is we are here as we are where we are. No pretense. No pretense. We want to live. We want to live our salvation. We know we're saved. We know we're saved. We hold on to the fact that we know we are daughters of the King. Are we living it? In the midst of our story, in the midst of healing from our story, in the midst of facing our story, in the midst of being real right now with the lens of but God, are you living today as if you're on that rock? What does that look like? And the more we get used to our life looking the way it looks in the eyes of God on that rock, the more we get stronger on that rock. And the more we see that our life lived on that rock is so beneficial in growing ourselves to be built up on that foundation on which we stand and to help those around us build even stronger. And it makes you realize that the smallest thing that you do on that rock makes the biggest change in another person's life that's on that rock. The smallest thing smallest thing. We are a family on that rock. <clears throat> I told you some stories about my childhood in week one. I told you some stories of my 20s in week three. <clears throat> my 30s were a different game. My 30s were a, a season of healing. I wrote a book in my 30s, a study guide on the book of Matthew. Um, submission. It was all on the book of, uh, all on the word submission. I hated that word. I was trained inappropriately with that word. I was trained in the mindset of man with that word and not the mindset of God. It's a huge difference. Submission is one of the most beautiful things God created when you view it through correct vision. 
when it's taught through the vision of man, eh, it's caused damage. And I have a feeling I'm not the only woman in this room that can testify ill submission causes damage. So when I started this journey on the book of Matthew, it was, it was hard. It took me three and a half years to work through that. During those three and a half years, I healed from my childhood, fully, completely healed from my childhood. It's a beautiful testament of my, my 30s. Something else that happened in my 30s was my baby boy that I shared a story of um, when we found out we were pregnant. It was a health miracle, full miracle. When he was just over two years old, I was expecting my second baby. So, so excited. You don't even, I'm in a room of women. You don't have to explain those emotions. Christmas morning of that year, 2008, I woke up um, having a miscarriage that morning. Lost my, lost my second baby. I was nine weeks pregnant, couldn't, no, no explanation, no, which oftentimes with a miscarriage there isn't an explanation. That happened, and that that hurt. That was hard. There's an emptiness that you you just can't even explain. Like you can feel that emptiness. When my son was four, I was homeschooling him at four and doing the preschool. I had five kids lined up to teach that year. The week before we were launching our preschool year, four of them pulled out for financial reasons. There was some stuff going on in our nation that time and people were pulling out financially. And it was just me and my boy. And I'm like, ah, but he's an only child, God. <laughs> he needs he needs people. He needs people. And God just kept throwing first Samuel on my my heart. Like this is your season of Hannah. This is your season of raising Samuel. I'm like, okay, that's solid. Note to self. God knows. God's good. I got pregnant again that year, and I got to almost 20 weeks. My son knew I were pregnant, and I was so excited. We told him. He kept talking about his sister. We didn't know if it was his sister. We were just around the corner from going in to get, we had the appointment on the calendar, just a couple days away to find out what the baby was, and I lost uh, that baby. He still, he remembers that. That year, God made it very clear, I have an only child. I have an only child. This is my, this is my time with my boy. <clears throat> this is good. A year later, I got pregnant again. And I lost that baby. <clears throat> that happened two more times. My 30s were a massive emotional roller coaster and talking to women you don't need to put labels of emotions we all know we all know what those emotions were it was a very very difficult very difficult decade when it comes to healing through my three and a half years of healing from my childhood and working through that book and then the emotions of having a baby and then not having a baby it's taxing it's taxing. When it comes to how scripture proclaims that we are family, we are part of the members of the household of God, all of us standing on the firm foundation 
of Jesus Christ. This is, this is what God does. When we show up, when we live our lives on that rock, and every little thing that we do affects every little person around us in such mighty, powerful ways, there's no, there's no end. There's no end to the beauty of what God can do. During those three and a half years that I was writing a book, there was a woman at uh, my church, my cousin's church that I was attending. Her name was Cindy. Cindy and I knew each other. She was my senior. She, we knew each other by name, but she was a student. Apparently she was a student of women around her. She just paid attention. Do you know that person that just pays attention, just notices what's going on around her? And she noticed, I'm kind of a happy person, you know, kind of known for smiling often. And this one particular Sunday after when my son was four, I was at church and uh, standing there and smiling and worshiping. And then I would leave, go into the lobby. And I often was in the lobby at this church with women and greeting and things. Um, But there was no other woman there. I was just by myself breathing by myself and looking through the window and paying attention to the worship from the outside, but I needed to catch my breath because I couldn't stop my tears. So then I'd go back and, okay, and then another song would come on and I would leave again, go back out into the lobby and and cry some more and then come back in. And I kept doing this. And it was a larger church, not as large as I'm attending now, but large enough that I could hide. Except that there's always a student, right? Always paying attention to those around them. At this church, we had fellowship time, you know, old school church fellowship time where you sing two verses of a song and then shake the hand of those around you and then go back and finish the last two verses of the song. And you stand there and you're like, okay, good. My hands are dirty, but my heart is full, right? Mentality. Maybe not everybody. Um, I came in for fellowship time. And as I walked through, pulled the double doors and walked in, this woman, Cindy, comes right up to me. And again, we did not have a heart-to-heart relationship. She attended women's Bible study. I knew her by the name Cindy. That's what I knew. And she had cute hats that she would wear on Easter. And she came, comes over to me and she grabs me by, like, right under my elbows. And she looks me in those eyeballs. You know that person? And you just want to like turn and run because you know what's coming next. She just looks me in the eyeballs and she looks at me and she says, you're not okay. And I just shrugged. At this moment, I was not a hugger. I didn't like to hug women. I wasn't a hugging person. I was kind of to myself and I was still recovering from a separation from uh, my mom and healing from that pain there and this woman is looking at me and she's holding me with such tenderness such gentle authentic tenderness and she slid her hands down my forearms and grabs my hands and holds them in between like our hearts and she says i i watch you something something's different and you need a hug and i'm like oh she gave me a hug You know when you get a hug from your mom? It's, it's so familiar. You know the weight of it. 
You know the presence of it. You know the familiar. You know how to fall into it. You know that feeling. I didn't have that hug for years. I was in the middle of writing a chapter in Matthew about um, healing specifically, about that distance of my relationship that had happened with my mom. I was in that process. That chapter alone took me almost a month to write because everything in that book I did, everything in that book I worked on, it was my personal journey of healing. And if there was anything that God had me write in that book, I did it. How dare I not do it and then send it to somebody else? You know, that's, that's rude. I didn't do that. So I did everything that was in that book. That chapter particularly was so hard. It was so hard. And I felt very empty during that time of healing of that one particular chapter. At that same time, I had lost my second baby, my longest term baby. It was a tough time. And a woman, a woman that stood on the rock, noticed that somebody else that stood on the rock needed a hug. All she knew, she didn't know what I was working on. I didn't tell anybody I was writing a book. I don't write books. I'm Jacqueline. She didn't know I was going through a miscarriage. She, I didn't tell anybody. I don't talk about my health to anybody. I just don't like talking about health issues. And how do you tell somebody that you lost your baby? That's such a personal, private thing that women have such a hard time sharing. She knew nothing other than the fact that Jacqueline looked off and that Jacqueline needed a hug. I have a solid feeling that God sent the Spirit to Cindy that day to say, go give Jacqueline a hug. She gave me a hug that day that blew my mind. I stand here 10 years later telling you I can feel that hug. Cindy has no idea. She has no idea what she did that day. She gave me my mom's hug. And we sit there among our people and we sit there and are as we are where we are and we think, what can I do? I know what Cindy's prayer requests were at that time regarding her adult daughter. I knew life wasn't easy. She wasn't living on the peachy island at that time. She had her prayer requests. She had things going on. And in the strength of where she was, as she was, where she was, you know what she could do? Obey the Holy Spirit. She could work. And she could live on that rock. She gave me the sweetest gift that day. It is an amazing thing to be part of the household of God. There is nothing sweeter. Nothing sweeter. It's at the point that when I look back at my 30s and I think back of my story of my 30s, it's gifts like that that I think more than those times that I was hurting. There's power that comes when you're with those that are around you. There's power that comes so that your story is still real. Life is still real. Life is still, can I say, hard. Evil is still there. But when we set our eyes in the lens of but God, our focus becomes the rock. It becomes so set on Jesus Christ and it becomes so set on those that are standing on Jesus Christ that even though like this is going on, you can live. Does that make sense? 
in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your healing, you can still be on that rock because Jesus Christ is the same. He is the same every day. He is the same every season. He always was. He always is. And he always, always will be. Right now, focus on the fact that Jesus is. Make it so real that Jesus is. We know that he was, and we're thinking about our past, we're thinking about our story, and Jesus was the same then. And we talked just last season about Jesus and me today. We know Jesus is coming again. We know Jesus will always be. It's what we live for, is for that eternity with Jesus Christ. But today, until Jesus comes again, we've got to do something today, don't we? Let us not hold on to yesterday. Let us be today in the presence of Jesus who is on the rock that will never change and see your story there. Does anything change, shift in your head when you do that? Does your vision change just a little bit when you do that? It kind of gives you something to breathe. It gives you something to work on. You sit there, this is so hard, this is so hard, this is so hard. Oh, that person over there, she needs something. I have nothing to give. Yeah, you do. God has given you so much that's free. So much that's free. You ever seen your smile? You don't pay a penny for that smile. He gave you that smile for free. And when you give that smile to somebody else for free, and you could hold a sign. <laughs> Smiles, a dollar. Share what God gave you for free. Have you ever had a smile given to you? And you're like, that once, I don't even know her, but that smile just made me stand taller. There's power. I don't know how, but there is power in a smile. It's almost as if God knew. Sometimes all we need is just a free smile. You know what it feels like. Give it to somebody else. Not just within the body of Christ also. Because when we're on that rock, we can look off that rock and do you know there's people there? It's heartbreaking. That same hug that we share with one another and we receive with one another on that rock needs to be extended and offered off that rock, but may I dare say start on the rock, because if you're not sharing it on the rock, it's not going to be real to those that are off the rock. They're going to be like, sure, thanks. They'll know. They'll feel it. There is a difference. When you're authentic and living and embracing life the way God has created it to be lived on that rock, and you live it, and then you extend it to those that are off the rock, to those that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they feel that. That's when the unsaved notices there's something different. It's not because you live so holy and so grounded. It's because you're living love that's the book of 1 John, is it not? It's the message of Jesus Christ, is it not? You live love on the rock of Jesus Christ, and then you extend that to the unsaved. The unsaved are like, okay, I see. I see. They see a whole lot more than when you show up and say, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to have that drink. I'm holy. Oh, no, 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 I would never wear that. You ought not either. Yeah, that's going to do good. That's going to bring them in. 
Your goal is to bring that person that does not know Jesus Christ onto that rock. And if you're not living love, living life on the rock with those among you, it might be a little too soon to start striving after the unsaved. Is that fair to say? There is power that happens when we live on the rock. This is who we are. I want to read those verses one more time, then pop into 2 Timothy for a second. Verse 17, it says, And he came and he preached peace to you. See yourself on that rock. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers. Oh, I pray that the person needs healing from that will feel that healing right now. But you are fellow citizens with the saints. You are presently, as you are, where you are, members of the household of God. You are built on the firm foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The beautiful words in 21 wraps it up and says, In whom the whole structure, in Jesus Christ, the whole structure, you and the people next to you are being joined together to grow into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together. You, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You are His. You are His. There's a promise in 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2.19. I pray that we hold on to this promise in 2 Timothy this week. It's a beautiful letter. We talked about Paul a couple of weeks ago. We talked about Paul's story and his um, becoming the life of Saul into the life of Paul. This is his final word, 2 Timothy. It's his last word that he wrote. Paul wrote this to his, his I don't know if we want to say best friend, his student, his Elisha. I think of Elijah and Elisha when I think of Paul and Timothy. It's a beautiful passing on of the torch. And these are Paul's final words to Timothy saying, don't stop. He's, Paul's facing death. And he says, this is his famous line of, I have fought the good fight. I have done what God has called me to do. Timothy, go. It's your turn. Go do, don't stop. It's a beautiful, beautiful letter. I do encourage you to read this letter this week. 2 Timothy 2.19. If I can read just a couple of words from 18, it says, There were some that were upsetting the faith, but God. And here's our verse. I pray that we stand on the rock, on this truth right here. As you are, where you are, in your story, in your midst of healing, of emotion, it says, but God's firm foundation stands. And that firm foundation bears this seal. Do you see the two seals that are listed in this verse? This is what you are standing on. This is what you are sealed on. The Lord, it says, the Lord knows those who are his. 
think about that. I think this is one of those truths that we as daughters of the king, no, nod, smile, ah, and then we go. And this is when we forget about that rock that's under our feet. We go grocery shopping and we go do our rock climbing or our gym, whatever. I don't know what we do, but we forget to do, we forget the rock is moving with us. Do you ever, or am I the only one that forgets? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, oh yeah, I'm on the rock. Oh, that, oh yeah, yeah, I'm on the rock. It changes everything you do when you remember that you're standing on the rock. It changes everything that you do when you're standing on that rock. And sweet friend, you are standing on the rock. You're literally on that rock at all times. Jesus does not change. It says, the Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows you. The Lord knows you. You are known by the Lord God Almighty. You are known by God. The Lord knows you. Can I say that again? As you are right now, the Lord knows you, everything about you. And the smile that overwhelms his heart and his knowledge of you, his daughter, will never cease. That's the promise that you're standing on. He knows you. John 10 is a beautiful passage to look at when it comes to and find that phrase of God knowing you. John 10, beautiful, beautiful passage. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his and it bears this seal. Let everyone, we could put in our name, we could put in you, let everyone who knows the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. This is a whole nother ball game, whole nother lesson. And I pray that the Lord will say what the Lord needs to say in the heart that needs to hear it. The iniquity does not exist on that rock. Let us not bring a, let us not bring our own iniquity in the life of the members of the household of God. It's fair. The second sentence I want to say about this and let the Lord do what the Lord needs to do. And I'm going to close in this. Sometimes we want to bring the iniquity of our um, assault, of our past, into our life on the rock. Sometimes we do. Sometimes it's innocent. Sometimes it's habitual. But there's got to be a point in our life that we see this sentence and we open our eyes to the lens of but God and, and that does not match. That an iniquity of another that was cast upon us does not match the statement on which we're standing on. Is that fair to say? And I say that with such delicate love. And I can fully say in every way, I understand how hard that is. I also understand how sweet it is to live on that rock clean from the iniquity of others that are cast on us and the iniquity that we inherit. The Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows you. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. This is the life we get to live. Live in that. 
Heavenly Father, I love you. I love you, and I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for how alive it is, how sweet it is. I thank you so much for the opportunity to testify. Oh, do you hear these, these songs I was worshiping today? On, I've seen you move mountains, and I know you're going to do it again. I know I'm going to see it again. Father God, you've moved so many mountains in my life. And I know there's going to be many more mountains, which means there's going to be many more stories that I'm going to be living through. Because you've got to live through a story to see that mountain move. You've got to live through a story to see the way that only you can make. And I thank you so much for the stories that you've allowed me to live so that I can share them specifically today to the women that I love so dearly, the women that you know so fully. I thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to share our stories in such a way that we strengthen one another, in such a way that we get to grow one another closer to you and closer to one another. It's a beautiful, amazing thing that you do from such sorrow. You turn it. You turn it all for good. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the gifts of life that you've given to us. I pray that you help us to live, live today on that rock, on the rock of your Son, our Savior. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.